And what's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the I'm and is podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed, busy show for you today. I'm going to touch on Justin Verlander, morning and growing about the juice balls, juice the ball scenario in Major League Baseball. I'll touch on that. I'll recap the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby that occurred on Monday and Tuesday. I'll also uh, touch on the SBs. I'll get in a little bit of that. And I'll touch on the news and sports this week uh, surrounding Tyler Skaggs. Death, you know, he died two weeks ago. Ash, uh, Angels threw a combined no-hitter last night, their first home game since their teammate's death. I'll touch on that a little bit later on in the program. I'll also touch on a little bit of Wimbledon action today with Serena Williams losing in straight sets to Steffi Groff. I think that's what her name is. And uh, the 2019 Women's Singles Wimbledon Final. I'll touch on that today. I'll touch on Coco Goff. Who's that, you may ask? 15-year-old black girl that uh, that went that uh, made it all the way to Wimbledon to the round of 16. I'll touch on that a little bit later on in the program. And Russell Westbrook traded to the uh, Houston Rockets in exchange for Chris Paul. I'll touch on that uh, towards the end of our program today. Uh, first things first, uh, we'll start with Major League Baseball and Justin Verlander, Astros' uh, starting pitcher, 2019 All-Star, who got the start in this in this past 2019 All-Star game on Tuesday. I'll touch on, and I'll do him first, and then take a break, and we'll go to the All-Star game and go from there. Uh, but with Justin Verlander, made some comments towards uh, the end of last week. On uh, July the eighth, so at at the end of last at the end at the uh, Monday, this this was Monday Sports Illustrated, and he said uh, talking about how the ball is juiced and how the commissioner Manfred says uh, we want more offense, they own Rawlings, blah 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 blah, balls juiced, everything. Here, let me uh, find and read the. Quotes. Okay, here it is. This is out of Sports Illustrated. I'll read the quote there. You and my thoughts on it. This is what he said. It's a effing joke, Verlander told ESPN. Major Major League Baseball's turning this game into a joke. They own Rawlings, which they bought in 2018, the supplier of the league's official ball. You got Manfred he up here saying that it, saying it might be the way they center the pill. They own the effing company. If any other forty billion dollar company bought bought out a four hundred million dollar company and the product changed dramatically, it's not a guess as to what happened. We all know what happened. Man Manfred, the first time he came in, what'd he say? He said we want more offense. All of a sudden he comes in, the balls of juice. It's not a coincidence. We're not idiot idiots. Alright, well, alright, so here's my thoughts on this. Instead of, can Verlander just shut up and play? Can, can, can Justin Verlander shut up and go away for a bit? Okay? And this is a guy who's 36 years of age, who got traded, who's, who got traded to the Astros at the trade deadline in 2017, who has allowed a league-high 26 home runs this year. Think about it. All the pitches in the sport, he leads in giving up home runs with 26. 36 years of age, 
found himself with the Astros after getting traded to to them uh, two years ago, has been a his career his career ERA is three point three seven. Okay, the, he. He he he's two from he's two fourteen and one twenty seven. All right, that's good, but let's be honest. He's not Nolan Ryan and he's not Sandy Koufax. Okay, let, let's call it, let's call it, let's call it like we see it. Okay, this is a guy who has had many a rough patches in his career. Okay, many a rough patches. I'll go I'll go over his. But instead of can Verlander shut up and and, and play baseball, please. Can he just shut up, take care of business, go out on the mound every fifth day and dominate, and 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 not moan and groan over over the smallest stupidest stuff, because because uh, because it's getting to be annoying, to be honest with you, it's, it's, he's he's starting to become a, a real annoying pain pain and you know what, honestly Verlander shut up and pitch okay, shut up, you make thirty plus million a year. You won a World Series two years ago. Were saved by the bell by the Astro organization for after for the five straight years. You couldn't pitch away out of a paper bag. ERA over four point five in two thousand fourteen, and uh, please, please, please. World Series championship. You go to All Star games. You start in All-Star Games. You won World Series two years ago. And oh, by the way, your wife is Kate Upton and you have a kid. Okay? So, trust me. Life cannot be that bad when you're making over $30 million a year married to a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model and you have a kid and you won a championship two years ago. And you were one of the big reasons why they won it. You got traded to a new team and you found yourself and you felt and you fell quote unquote back in love with the game. But can Verlander just shut up and pitch, please, with the juice ball stuff. After comments and speculation came out after the 2017 World Series, which is the which is the World Series that he he and his team at the Houston Nationals participated in and won. And there was conversations talking about the, the complaint that the balls were slicker and blah, blah. So, if the balls are slicker, they must have helped somewhat. Because I, Jose Altuve is a big, okay, so if you say the ball, if you say the ball's a juice, that's fine. But, let, let's not act like that, that it didn't help you, that it didn't help you and you and your end of the bargain, your side of the coin. I get a Jose Altuve is is a strong man, a, a phenomenal athlete, but I mean the guy is what under he's he's shorter than I am, and I'm not trying to call Jose Altuve out or anything, but I've seen home runs that he's hit, and I look at him scratch my head going, how in the heck did he? A get contact on that ball and B hit it as hard and as far as he can when the dude is like five five foot five five foot six. Now he's now he is a superstar of a talent, but I got Justin Verlander moaning and groaning and complaining about the juice balls. 
Verlander, shut up and pitch, all right? Shut up and pitch. I swear, it's like every five seconds, he's got something to complain about. Call out MLB and the Astros about when they signed Robert Osuna last year. Oh, my God. Verlander, just shut up, okay? You, you, you're, like, you're like the spoiled brat that has everything anyone would ever want in life. And then and you still have the nerve to sit back and complain, and complain about the little petty stuff. Sh- shut up and pitch. Who cares? All right, oh, there's juice balls. All right, fine. Get, get the batters out then. You lead the league in giving up home runs. You lead the league in giving up home runs for starting pitchers. Not, not a Baltimore Oriole. And they're about to shatter the record for the most home runs given up in a single season. You lead the world in allowing home run balls. You can't. You, I don't want to hear you complain about juice balls when, when, you're, when you're the number one guy in the league for giving up home run balls. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to hear it. You're 10-4 and four with a 2.98 year array. You're doing good this season. But you still lead the world. You lead the league in home runs. I'm sorry. You lead the league in home runs. 42 earned runs already this season. You gave up 60 total in 2018. So, please, when, when, you, when you get one, you lead Major League Baseball and get up home runs, I want to hear you talk about the balls you juice. Get him out. Get him out. Okay? Verlander is this guy that, that thinks he's the Tom Brady of his sport, which he isn't. He's a guy that sits up here and thinks he's the Tom Brady of the sport and everything else. Well, sh- shut up shut up and get him out. Okay? I don't, I don't hear Tom Brady wanting to go and complain about little, little equipment issues and, 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 and little th- intangibles with the equipment and the sport that may or may not have changed, whatever the kid that gives a certain side of the ball competitive, a more competitive advantage. I don't hear Brady, and y'all know me, I pick on Brady more than anybody as far as the sport of football is concerned. I can't stand him. But let's be honest, okay? One of the things I can respect about Bray is that he doesn't, outside of him a- asking for a whistle when he's in his press conferences and his little presses or someone's, you know, quoting him for an article or anything, I never hear Brady moan, moan and groan and complain. I, ne- I never hear Brady say, well, my touchdown numbers are up. Well, my touchdown numbers are up. Because the NFL put this rule in that allows defensive players to have more in an, or a more of an advantage, or my completion percentage is down because they make because they because they upped the PSI on the ball, making the ball harder to catch because it's because it's blowing up so because it's blowing up larger than it has been. I don't hear Brady moaning, going to make excuses. I hear Verlander do this all the time. Okay, and this is a guy. Let's be honest. He's not Nolan Ryan. He's not Sandy Koufax. He's not Roger Clemens. Let's call. Let's call it like we see it. This is the guy that had an ERA at three point five four in two thousand fourteen, and had an ERA hovering over four when he went on uh, the first half of two thousand seventeen season. He was saying goodnight to the Tigers. And had ERA around five in two thousand and eight. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Verlander, shut up and pitch, okay? Quit making excuses. Go out there and play. You want to consider and think 
and amount yourself that you're as great as Tom Brady is and you want to be the quote-unquote the Tom Brady amazing baseball pitcher until your 40s and all this other nonsense, how about you do yourself a favor, shut up and pitch? Instead of you whining to ESPN about the balls being used, how about you shut up and say, you know what, gosh darn, I'll work on my pitch to make sure they'll never hit a home run off of me again. My goodness. Just quit quit complaining. Just go out there and pitch and do what you do every fifth day. Go out, strike guys out, set them down. Why are you complaining? You get if you complain about the balls being juice, well shoot, you you're allowing them, you're allowing them to hit the juice balls. You're giving up every home I mean, you're doing good this season, but when at times you do slip up, it's like gee whiz, the home runs going over the fence left and right. Get guys out. Get guys out so you don't have to worry about the hitters hitting the juice balls. That's not a hard concept. If you get guy, if you get guys out and you and you and you send them and you send them uh, back and you send them back to the dugout and three and in, 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 in three strikes or or ground or a ground ball to Altuve or Guriel, you ain't got nothing to complain about the juice balls for. Gosh, I'm so sick of hearing Verlander moaning and groaning and complaining over every little thing. You have a World Series. You live. You you have life by the proverbial. You know what? You are on cloud nine. You are winning at life, as they so call it. What are you complaining about? Shut up and pitch. My goodness gracious. Well, uh, the balls juice. It's an effing joke. You know what's a joke, Verlander? You leading the, you being thirty six years of age, being a veteran in this sport on the Houston Nationals, and you lead and you leading the team, leading the league and and uh, giving up home runs. That's that's what's an effing joke, if you ask me. Because if I'm an Astros fan, yeah, but let me tell you something. You can complain about juice balls all you want. Just make sure you're not allowing the hitters to hit the juice balls. All right. That's uh, um, please, Verlander, shut sh- shut up and pitch. All right, you have nothing to complain about. You're on cloud nine as far as life is concerned. Two years off a championship. You got Kate Upton and and and, and a kid. Shut up and pitch and quit jeez. Com- Shut up and pitch and quit complaining, please. Because you're starting to sound sound like sound like a, an, an annoying spoiled entitled brat is what you're starting to sound like. Honestly. Don't you don't you complain about juice balls, don't allow the juice balls to be in a position for them to get crushed five hundred feet by uh by Aaron Judge. Okay. Not a Baltimore, not a Baltimore Oriole does not lead the league and giving up home runs. The team does, but the starting pitcher that leads the league, Major League Baseball, and giving up home runs, is not John Means. It's not. Uh, it's not Andrew Kashner. It's not. Um, who's the other guy? Uh. Jimmy Yacobonis. It's, it's nobody. Nobody on the Baltimore Orioles team. It's you. Shut up and pitch. Quit complaining. 
Take a break. I'll talk and recap of the MLB All-Star Game right after this. Welcome back to Emmettel Like a TIA's podcast. Switching gears now to the 90th MLB All-Star Game that took place on Tuesday in Cleveland, Ohio at Progressive Field. American League versus National League. Uh, but I'll touch on the home run derby first. And boy, what a home run derby it was. Boy, uh, Pete Alonzo of the of the Milwaukee, of the New York Mets won the whole thing, out out slugging uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays twenty three to twenty two, in home runs. Uh, his last home run Pete Alonzo hit was four hundred twenty nine feet, uh, and had an exit velocity of one hundred and twelve miles per hour. If you care about that. Uh, but before we get to Peter Alonzo, what a performance Vladimir Guerrero Jr. put on for for in that uh, home run derby. Not just in the semifinals against Jacques Peterson, and I'll get to that in a minute. But what he did in the first round going up against Matt Chapman of the Oakland A's. Matt Chapman comes in first seed. First seed hits 13 home runs. Vladimir Guerrero comes in. Smacks twenty nine, I mean, and 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 they and they were subtle twenty nine home runs, but it wasn't until meanwhile Pete Alonso just barely outslugged Carlos Santana, the homer guy who uh, the Cle- the the Cleveland Indian who participated in this, he barely outslugged him, fourteen home runs to thirteen home runs, and he got booed. Once he hit the game winning a home run to win him, to beat uh Santana in the first round. But back to Guerrero Jr. Hit a subtle excuse me, hit a subtle twenty nine home runs beating Mac Chapman in the first round. Then goes into the semifinals and takes on Jacques Peterson, who outslugged Carl, uh excuse me, Alex Bregman twenty one home runs to sixteen. He goes up against Jacques Vlad Jr. goes up against Jacques Peterson and this thing this round between Jacques and Guerrero, they end regulation tied. They go into not one, not two, but three overtime swing-offs after, being, after tying each other in regulation. They go into three, over, three straight overtime swing-offs. And Vladimir Guerrero wins by one home run, 40-39. 40. 40 home runs he hit in that round. And Jacques Peterson, you know, he, he's an okay Dodger. I mean, he he he, li- he lives in the shadow of um, of uh, of uh, Bellinger, uh, Justin Turner, and uh, Ryu, who, who started the All-Star game. I mean, he lived in the shadow of those three guys, because yeah, I mean, he he well, he was a new guy on the block, but then Bellinger kind of took that from him. So he, he's been he's been an okay player. Not you know he's not he's not better than his teammate Jock Peterson. He's been an okay player, and for him and Vlad Jr., who everyone was anticipating his debut since spring training ended, when he lit spring training major league pitching on fire back in, back in February and March. He lit it. He lit it up in Florida. 
for the for the Blue Jays down in spring training, and every, and it was be it's the same it's the same thing with Chris Bryant lit it up in spring training, but because of the service time rules, they have to start the season in the minor leagues, only for them to get promoted, and uh, later in the spring, Vlad Jr. got uh, promoted in late April. I want I late April I want to say, got promoted, struggled a little bit. Lit the world on fire and and ha- and really hasn't looked back since, hasn't looked back since and it proved in this All Star game and he was and I you I tweeted it out I was like in a week in advance I said Vlad Vlad Junior who's the youngest one there the youngest ever to compete in the home run derby and holds the last seed in the eighth seed I I told you I said y'all I said I, I told you he was he was gonna win it and 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 if he hadn't gone into that. Three. If he hadn't gone into three swing offs with Jacques Peterson, he would have won. I'm I'm t- I'm telling you that right now, he would have won. Because he was hitting the ball hard and long, and I mean long shots. But had it not, he got into a, a triple swing off with Peterson. He would have won. And I had a feeling once he be he barely he barely. Mustered enough to to beat Jacques with one with that one more home run, but I had a feeling. I said, uh, I said, uh, he he, I said he looks he looks winded. I, I was I was like he looks winded, and I tweeted I was like he looks winded. That 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 bout he had with Jacques, it was amazing. It was great television. It was great entertainment. One of the best home run derby head to head performances you're ever going to see. But and he individually, even though they didn't win, still has one of the best home run derby performances in the history of the competition. But he had a feeling that he was going to run out of gas against Peter Alonso, Peter Alonso, I should say, who who really didn't hit many home runs to begin with. I mean, he hit fourteen to beat Carlos Santana in the first round, and hit twenty in the semifinals, and hit twenty three in the finals. So he kind of he start he started out mild and kind of worked his way up a little bit. Meanwhile, Guerrero, uh, meanwhile Guerrero hit hit a twenty nine. And and I think what what they and I think what they should do, I think what he should have done is that he should have gotten to, you know, twenty with Matt Chapman and then just kind of let the time go, because you can make the argument that he's that. 29 home runs he hit in the first round took a lot out of him. And then you combine that with going up against Jacques Peterson, three straight swing offs. You can make the argument that that's what did it for him. While Alonso started out with 14, kind of gradually worked his way up and kind of conserved his energy with how he uh, hit. But then, but that, but in Alonso's case, he hit first. He had first gone up against Carlos, Carlos Santana first round. Hit first in the semifinals against Acuna, but hit last against Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which did him a huge favor. If 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 you ask me, did him a huge favor that he hit after Guerrero did, huge favor. After Guerrero was basically running, his tank was running on E after the uh, triple swing off that he had. 
And and I could see it towards the end of Guerrero's going. I was like, this guy's tired out of gas. I said, I said he better hope Alonzo comes out and hits like fifteen home runs, or else he's screwed. And when Pete Alonzo hit like his fifteenth or sixteenth home run, and there was like uh, about three minutes of some change left, I said, oh, he he he's lost this one. And Turns out he did. He Alonzo was crowned champion, but Guerrero won the home run derby with his performance. I mean, everyone in the sport. If you did, if you didn't know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. then, if you didn't know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. then, you definitely know him now. Especially watching that home run derby, you definitely know him now. I mean, this is not even a question. You you know him now. That that guy has put himself on the map. Among uh, big, big, uh, big time young sports phenoms. I mean, he, he and Zion. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal talents. That if they keep it up, will be doing great things in their pers- in their uh, prospective sports. Uh, come uh, years to come. But uh, Alonzo outslugged uh, Grail Jr. twenty three to twenty two, and that's all she wrote. And uh, the ratings for the Home Run Derby were one of the best that they've seen in a while. Uh, Home Run Derby drew a combined 6.2 million viewers on ESPN, ESPN2 combined, up from 5.7 million viewers that they had last year when the game was in D.C. with Bryce Harper in the mix. Uh... But the home run derby outrated the All Star game itself, which had which saw uh eight point. F- Hold on, let me make sure I get this right. No, no, All Star game had more people watch the All Star game in the home run derby, but the home run derby had a better rating. Compared to last year's, so break it down for you. Home head to head All Star Game did better rating wise because Fox local te- local network television compared to ESPN, which is on cable. They did you know they did better than the All Star Game, but the All Star but the All Star Game rating wise did worse compared to last year than it was. Um, than the home run derby was last year when the rate for the home run derby the ratings were higher this year than they were last year. Also, game was different. The ratings were higher last year than they were in this year's game. This year's game, uh, the game drew eight point eight point one million viewers, uh, down from previous record low of five, of a of eight point six nine million viewers. Uh, that they had in the past, and it was down from last year. No, no, that was it. it the their record low was eight point six nine from last year, and they beat it this year with eight point one four. So, Major League Baseball, they got something special with the home run derby, but the game itself, people just can't get into. There's nothing on sports. Uh, there's nothing sports wise, you know, and of actual game is is isn't on, you know. There's there's no game, 
unless you're into arena football or WNBA basketball or NBA Summer League, there's nothing, or or uh, Wimbledon, There's World Cup was over by then, there's nothing on television. Absolutely nothing on a Tuesday night in the, in the second week of July. There's nothing on. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And they, and they drew a poor rating, which... I honestly don't know what baseball can do. I mean, the the two biggest guy, the two guys that they had outside of Trout was in it, of course. But the but the two other guys that previously had a record for the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history, and the two and the other two highest paid guys in the sport, they didn't they didn't make the All Star team. Machado didn't make it after making it last year, and and Harper didn't make it. Uh, and Harper didn't make it this year, so. That's kind of a pro, and those are the games really two big electrifying, entertaining stars. You know, Trout's a great player, but he, but he isn't entertaining. He isn't electrifying. He isn't, you know, he he isn't a guy that you would necessarily pay to wa- pay to watch play, and and walk out of that stadium saying, "Wow," you know, Trout's the type of guy that goes out there every night, puts his head down, works, you know, get. Hits three for four, hits two for three, steals steals a bag, makes a nice catch, and keeps it moving. Harper is going to hit a home run, you know, five hundred feet, stare at it, toss the bat, and show you some enthusiasm. You know, steal, he'll steal a base and hit two home runs. So he'll 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 hit a long he'll hit a long home run one inning, and in the next inning he'll throw somebody out. He'll throw somebody out from the warning track in the outfield. You know that's the type of guy Harper is. Machado, and he's been disappointing, and he's been disappointing uh, this season. As are the Phillies, like I told you last week. Machado, same thing. Makes the outstanding diving plays with his glove. I mean, who knows this better than anybody than me? Okay, San Diego Padres. Well, no, shut up. No, I've been watching Manny Machado since he was I, from first game on. I've been I've been following and been a fan of been a fan of, and become a fan of Manny Machado. Okay, I know what Manny Machado can do. Don't let any Padre or Dodger fan. Well, Manny Machado was us and boy, no Manny Machado was Baltimore Oriole through and through. And the team that he started wowing the world with, the team he was with was with us. So don't even give me that. But Machado, with you know, throwing guys out from foul territory. And 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 th- throwing against his body and all that sort of stuff. that stuff that 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 wow factor that Harper and Machado bring that Trout doesn't even though Trout's the better player than uh, Harper and Machado are. So I, I don't know what major I don't know what major league baseball can do. I mean they had two they had two of them. I, I honestly don't know what they can do. I I have no clue. The play, you know, the players didn't like the fact that uh, that home field advantage was uh, decided in the World Series by this game. And to be but be quite honest, from a fan and from a rating standpoint, that gave the game the most juice, which is when they had again, which is when they had uh, you know, when when they had something when they had a uh, home field advantage on the line. Not saying the players don't try, but it provides a little bit extra to the game that you necessarily don't get anymore. 
and baseball still has the best all-star game. It's just compared to the NBA where it's like 156 to 143, or the NFL who has the absolute worst all-star game. A, it's the week in between the conference championship game and the Super Bowl, which is like, which is, which I, which I don't really, which I don't really care for, to be quite honest with you. A conference championship game, then we get, then we, no, have the Pro Bowl, you know, after the Super Bowl, so all of our football fans can get together in front, last football game, let's make, let's, let's watch and record this, so on a day in the middle of July, we miss our football, we can put this back on, but, football is the best one, and it's a contact sport, and the guys aren't trying to get each other hurt in a meaningless football game, that's technically taking. That's technically for the players that are participating in. That's that's uh that's taking pl- that's taking place during their off season. I mean, as as soon as they get eliminated from the playoffs, the players that have made the playoffs that are playing in the Pro Bowl, technically that's like an off that that game takes place during their off season, and they don't want to sit up here and risk themselves getting hurt in a, in a, in a in a game that means nothing in the middle of their off season. So so that so they so they and that that game's another joke, and, and you, you can't watch baseball has the best one yet they're right uh, and, and it's not like all the other all star games are huge ratings either, NBA's is on TNT, and footballs is on ESP is on ESPN. But but who but who's watching a who's watching a Pro Bowl or ESPN and AB but who's watching you know. And MLB's on Fox, and baseball is the best one. So I honestly don't know. Fans have thought thought the idea of getting rid of the All Star Game, or you know, they'll never do that because none of the leagues will ever do that because they make money off the All. You know, they make money off the All Star Games. Got people flying in to cover the games, to broadcast the games, fans that go to the games, family members. Of the players that go to the games, you also have the uh, you also get the league also makes money because they get the because they get the celebrities in the mix. Baseball with the celebrity softball game, basketball with the uh, with the cele- with the celebrity basketball game, football. And do any celebrity football really is the only sport where celebrities really don't go, really don't go. You see, you see, and, and I don't I don't really. Th- Basketball and baseball, the celebrities flock to the event. Bas- basketball and baseball, the celebrities flock to the event. Now, are, are all the celebrities that are playing in the softball game on Monday at the All Star game Tuesday? No, but but are they in the city? But are they in the city where the game takes place for the festivities? Yeah, they're they're at the parties with the sponsorships, the red carpet show. And if they participate in the softball game, they they participate in the softball game. Celebrities all over the place in the NBA All Star Game at the parties and at the celebrity basketball game on that Friday. So, I I, I don't know what baseball can do. Honestly, I don't know. But to get back to the game, American League won. They are on a seven game All Star Game winning streak. They beat the National League uh, four to four to uh, four to three 
on Tuesday. Tanaka got the win. Clayton Kershaw got the loss. Royce Chapman got the save. Joey Gallo and Charlie Blackman provide the home runs in the game. Uh, another low. Uh, these All Star games for the most part have been kind of low scoring. You know, th- for, I mean it was it was uh it was it was two it was two one American League heading into the seventh inning. So it's, it's been a pretty it's been a pretty low scoring All Star games out outside of last year, which which was a little mild, but this year in two thousand seventeen, where a Robinson Cano uh, home run in late innings did it for the American League. Been pretty low scoring all star games. Uh, go over box score. Uh, George Springer went uh, two for one. Uh, I let me do see where is he? Michael Brantley, he went one for one. Uh, he he got a lot of love in the game. He got he got a lot of love and he had an RBI double, uh, in the first inning. So and he got a lot of uh. He got a lot of love. Former Indian coming to Cleveland to for the All Star game. Uh, CC Sabathia got love too. Former Cleveland Indian went out for the mound visit. Got got a little bit of cheers. Got a little bit of cheers and he was introduced. Uh, so, I mean, I I wasn't there, so I couldn't tell you, you know, what the feel of the city was like and the fans and everything else, but. I mean, American League on a seven-game winning streak. If there's any proof that the American League is the more dominant league, it, just the proof's in the pudding right there, and devil's in the details. But to make the game and but to make the game more interesting, I I don't I don't know what Major League Baseball can do. I honestly, I honestly don't know. Get more stars in the I don't know. I mean, part of the reason why it's kind of tainted is because you have interleague play, and so guys like Christian Yelich have faced, you know, or or here's a better example: guys like Chris Bryant have faced Aroldis Chapman, and Baez has faced guys like um, like uh, Tanaka, you know. So interleague play has a little bit something to do with it. So it's not as special because you know the the Brewers play the Yankees once every once every three years. So I don't. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I I saw most of the game. I, I saw I saw most of it. Didn't see the beginning of it. I saw from like the fifth inning on, a fourth fifth inning on. But I don't know. All the All Star games got a little bit of flaws. All of them do, and the solution to fix it, honestly, I have no idea. Take a break. I'll uh, scream and yell at the people at ESPN for the joke that they have with the ESPYs back after this. Welcome back to Amatelica TIU's podcast. Switching gears now to the ESPYs that were Wednesday night. Uh, then I didn't watch not one second. Of the 2019 SPs, uh, had no interest in it, had no interest to watch it, had no business to record it. And the reason why is because of the fact that ESPN, for whatever the reason, screwed up their own, they compromised their own bottom line and compromised their own rating because at five 
and 6 and 7 o'clock in the evening, I was getting ESPN notifications on my phone and iPad. Who had won one? Who had won what certain awards? And at first I was like, "Man, come on now! ESPN really gonna sit here and do this to me now?" I was gonna sit here and watch it. You gonna spoil the show for me? And I was like, "You know what? If they wanna if they wanna compromise their bottom line and compromise their rating, so be it. I'll I'll let them do it." So. Before the show even came on, I knew Patrick Mahomes won that one best NFL player and everything. I mean, how ESPN, which is a, which is under the Walt Disney umbrella, how e, which is a billion dollar company that has billion dollar contracts to the to the NFL and the NBA and everything else. How in the world do they and and the folks at ABC, because they're on on they're under the same umbrella. How why how and why in the world are ESPN giving me notifications on who won on who won what award before the show even comes on television? And they, and they gonna sit up here and say, well, hey, you should still watch the ESPYS that are gonna be three hours and thirty minutes long with uh, plenty of commercials. I mean, you you should still watch even though we're spoiling the show right in front of your very eyes. And and they and they, and they, and the NFL did and ESPN did this with uh, did this with the draft and uh, and and the lottery picks and everything else and and both leagues got on ESPN and told them to stop. You know, it's the same thing when the number one pick when ESPN tells you who the number one pick is on television before or as Roger Goodell is walking to the stage getting on the microphone and telling everyone what the number one pick is. So we all can sit there and have some suspense and, and ha- have a little theater, have a little drama and, and you know, in a in a show in a you know, in, in sports which is which is which is one of the greatest things in the world. It, it, it's it's not it's a bunch it's uh, you know it's it's entertainment that has no script that has no script to it. Literally has no script to it. You know, and we want to have a little bit of drama, a little bit of suspense going on, and we got and I got ESPN notifications buzzing off of my phone. Hey, Patrick Mahomes won NFL best player. Hey, best breakout star, Saquon Barkley. I mean, and and they ain't want to sit up here and, and expect and want me to sit down for three and a half hours to watch the program. When you see when you see him telling me who won the awards, you know, ninety minutes, two hours in advance. Anyway, that that's just dumb. How how that that's just dumb. I just had had it on my mind the last couple of days. And I needed to get that off my chest. Here's another thing that I'm annoyed about with uh, folks at ESPN and Walt Disney and everything else. Why in the world, in their best team category, why in the world did the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team get that award? They were favored in the World Cup, rightfully so. They're a great soccer team, but they were favored in the World Cup, and they had, repeat, no competition. No competition whatsoever. They beat their first round opponent in Thailand, 13 to nothing. They were favored to win the whole thing months in advance, 
it was a foregone conclusion who who many soccer experts soccer experts and soccer pundits thought who was going to be hoisting the uh, World Cup uh, come uh, early July. It was a foregone conclusion. Yet ESPN gave them best team over the Toronto Raptors who to even though granted they were injured and they weren't at full strength they took down the Golden State Warriors to do so in six games and took down the 76ers with Embiid one in a game seven at home on Mother's Day with the absolutely clutch three point buzz beater made by Kawhi Leonard they don't get the award and it's, and this is not the first time that ESPN has shown bias against against the Raptors because they're because because they're Canada and screw you you're Canada we're the United States big bad USA. It's not, it's not the first time it's happened. All throughout the time the Raptors during the little run and even when they were in the NBA Finals they got no love and no respect from from ESPN. So this isn't the first time that they kind of bashed. Uh, Canada and their, and their sports teams per se, especially the Toronto Raptors. But but the thing that that but the thing that makes it even more heinous is the fact that they gave that award over the Virginia men's basketball team, the same basketball team that was the first team in the history of the NCAA tournament to be a number one seed. Heading into the first round and getting bounced by 16 seed in the first round in the his in the fir- in the first round of the NCAA men's Division One basketball tournament, also known as March Madness, the first team ever in the history of the tournament to be a number one seed and lose in the first round to a 16 seed, first team ever to do that, and they turn around a year later. And end up winning the whole championship, and had to f- and had to fight their way down the stretch to do it, especially against Auburn, with the help of ref ball, I might add. But had had to claw their way to beat Auburn, in in the final four semifinal game. How soon we forget that? Lost to UMBC, which, like I said, many a time. Unless you went to UMBC, knew someone who went to UMBC, or you live in the Baltimore slash Maryland area, you 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 would you couldn't you would know UMBC if the president of the school fell on you. Uh, unless you went there, you know someone that went there, or you lived or you live in the Baltimore. In the Baltimore slash Maryland area, you have no idea what UMBC is. You think you think someone uh, watching uh, March Madness back in two thousand eighteen that lives in uh, Fresno, California, knows what UMBC is prior to them bouncing Virginia in the first round. Get they turn around a whole year later and they win a tournament, and ESPN's gonna sit up here and, and give the award to the to the women's national team, really, when they were favored in the tournament to begin with. Favorite in the tournament and beat Thailand thirteen to nothing. If they didn't win a championship, anything else would be any other result other than a, other than another championship would be described as a failure, and everybody, me included, will be pounding them for it. Yet you give the you give them 
And I get it. The media is just so in love, so in love with the team because, you know, they show emotion. They celebrate like kids. Back to back, USA, USA. They fight for equal pay and everything else. But still, you can have your equal pay. Just quit pandering to them by giving them these dopey awards. Because out of all the teams in the category, they were not the best team. They were favored to begin with, and they blew out Thailand. And you and you give them the best team because recent because recent because recency bias is what it is. Because because they won about a few days ago, and Virginia won all the way back in the beginning of April. And it, and it's almost like with America, the you know, everyone forgets about college basketball and March Madness. <laughs> You know, after after the month of April, and it's like, oh, really, Virginia won? Sheesh, it's like so long ago. And then they gave him that, and then the team that met, and, and that, I just thought they just deserved it, just because of what they had to go through to get back there and to win it. That that's just me. But if you want to be technical about it and want to bring stats and numbers into it. You should have given it to the Boston Red Sox from 2018 who absolutely kicked everyone who stood in their way, finished first place in the AL East, had a 667 win percentage, and finished 108 and 54 and won a World Series. Now, if that's the best team, by the definition, I don't know what is. You dominate the regular season competition. You win over 100 games in your your season. You finish first place. You win your division. You get the bye. You beat your hated rival in the New York Yankees. And then then you beat the previous year's champion in the Astros to win the pennant. And then, oh, by the way, you go against the you go against the you go against the Dodgers, who went there the year before, played played the seven game World Series the year before, and you beat them in, and you beat them in uh, five games. Was it five? Let me see. Uh, yeah, five games. You beat them in five games. Yet you give the soccer team the award. That's a joke. That's a joke. Take a break. I'll touch on all the big uh, news and sports that happened over this past week. From Tyler Skaggs to Serena losing in Wimbledon today. To Russell Westbrook getting traded to the Rockets. And Andrew Kashner of the Orioles traded to the Red Sox. Touch on that right after the break. Don't go away. All right, we're back. Uh, let's do a big potpourri of all the news and items that have gone on in sports since the last time we chat. Tyler Skaggs, even though I forgot to bring him up in last week's episode, I apologize for that, passed away. Starting pitcher for the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, passed away in a hotel room 
uh, when the Angels were in town to play the Texas Rangers. Won't have an idea on his cause of death until uh, in sometime later in the fall. So thoughts and prayers and condolences to his family, his teammates, and everyone that knew him and called him and looked at him as a friend or a family member. And the Angels uh, played their first home game since his death. Uh, Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Indians won All-Star MVP. I forgot to throw that out uh, a few segments ago. But the Angels played their first home game since uh, their teammate's death last night. And it was one of the games of the year, if you ask me. All the players wore number 40, wore Tyler Skaggs' uh, number 45 uh, jersey. And they threw a combined no-hitter against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, they won 13 to nothing. And it was a cup. It was a, it was a, something to behold. Felix Pena, he got the win. Uh, he's 72 for the 4.32 ERA. Mike Leake, he got the loss. 78 with a 4.60 ERA. Mike Trout, Justin Upton, homered. I mean, it, and, it, and it was a game. I wish I'd have seen it beginning the end. But, I you know, that's a game all the way out in California. I live here. In Maryland, so it's kind of hard for that. But, but what that that game was, uh, I, I wish I could have seen it. I think it's available on MLB.TV, free game of the day. So when you get a chance, just go ahead and watch the game. It, what, what a masterpiece it was. All the Angel players, after the game, they took off their jerseys and put it on the mound where they had had 45 marked in on the dirt on the mound. They put all their jerseys there. And it's a, it's a very similar to how the Marlins were when Jose Fernandez died uh, a few years ago. Uh, but they took off all their jerseys, and they placed on the pitcher's mound. And uh, it was... It was if you're an Angel fan, if you were at that game or watching it on television, pitch for pitch, it's 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 a moment you'll never forget. It's 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 a it's a moment you never forget. The Angels scored 13 runs on 13 hits in the game, and Tyler Skaggs was born on the 13th, and not just the 13th. Today, the day I'm recording this episode. Seven thirteen, July thirteenth. Today, what is what would have been Tyler Skaggs' twenty eighth birthday, and the Angels got thirteen runs on thirteen hits. With the next day being his birthday, and Mike Trout's home run went four four hundred four five four, cut off the four. Ty Skaggs, jersey number 45. And when Trout was asked about it after the game, he was like, he just can't make this stuff up. And the and they threw a combined no-hitter in the game. And the last time there was a combined no-hitter in the state of California, Orioles and A's in Oakland, July 13th, 1991. Which is also 
Tyler Skaggs' birthday. And oh, by the way, 11th and no-hitter in Angels history. Skaggs were 11 in high school. 17 runs, 7 runs in the first inning, 13 total. Today is his birthday, 7-13. Last combined no-hitter state of California. His birthday, July 13th, 1991. You couldn't make the and this is in Anaheim, which is where Disney's which is where Disneyland is and Disney Studios, Hollywood. Not even they can make up this script. I tell you, God plays in the games. God plays in the games. And last night not only was it meant for the Angels to win, but it was meant for them to have a combined no-hitter like that, which was an effort, a complete effort by every single one of the Angels' bullpen and pitching staff. Something special. I mean, it was, it was something special. And... And th- and things like and things like this, with all of the numbers I gave you, with the coincidences and how they tie into Tyler Skaggs' life, one way or another. If 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 you are, when it comes to God and when it comes to religion, you're agnostic or atheist about it. You you got it. I mean, you have to ask yourself: Is there is there a God up there? Because this stuff, because there are some things that go on in this life that happen that can't, that human reasoning nor science can explain. And last night was one of those occasions. Rest in peace, Tyler Skaggs. Switching gears now to the sport of tennis. Who? What? Tennis? Yeah, tennis. Uh, this is a sport I haven't <laughs> talked about on the show since I uh, touched on the Serena Williams U.S. Open fiasco back in September, the second ever episode of this uh, podcast. And I'll uh, so Serena Williams uh, earlier today or this morning, I should say. First of all, she played in 2019 Wimbledon uh, Championships out in uh, out in London, England. Made it all the way to the made it all the way to the finals, which is something she hadn't done in a long time. Uh, something she hadn't done in a long time, and she lost straight sets to Simona Halep of Romania. And she lost in straight sex six straight sets, excuse me, six two six two. Serena, I only I saw half the match. I saw the I saw I didn't see the first set. I saw the second set, but the second set I saw. Serena Williams beat her self. I mean the that that there is not. I mean there is nothing nothing to say. She beat herself 
She beat herself. Double faults. Double faults. Airs. I mean, they get a rally going. Halep and Serena, and Serena would hit the would hit the ball into the net, giving Halep a point. When Serena would have the advantage, trying to take control of the tennis match, trying to steer the gear and put her in the driver's seat as far as the control of the tennis match was concerned. She she let she'd make stupid dumb mistakes, letting Halep right back into the tennis match. I mean. And when Serena, and there's no doubt that Serena is, is the best player on the court. But when she loses, and trust me, it's not the opponents. I mean, the opponent wins because it's the outcome of the, of, the ga- of the game. But Serena, if you saw any of that tennis match earlier this morning, Serena Williams beat herself. Faults on the serves, double faults, not... Not finishing off, uh, not finishing off rallies between her and Halp. We're hitting the ball back and forth. I mean, just dumb, dumb amateur mistakes Serena Williams made in in this tenement in this tennis match earlier today, and she and she makes them and she makes them quite often. Make makes them quite often. She she. I mean, when she loses, she is her own. She is her own worst enemy because she has a tendency to make lots, and I mean lots, of dumb mistakes that when she's on her game, she doesn't usually make. And B, to, to, to expect to win a championship, you, you, can't, you cannot, under, I don't care what sport it is, you cannot under any circumstances be your own worst enemy and be your own roadblock in preventing yourself from, uh, from winning. Okay, she was ranked 11th in the tournament. She was ranked 10th in the world. And she is the biggest superstar and arguably one of the greatest players in the history of women's tennis. And certainly is one of the best tennis players right now. But going off of what she's done, her record, her line of work this year, she's ranked 10th in the world and was seated 11th in the tournament. And, and 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 it wasn't like that. It was a five, you know. It was five sets back and forth, back and forth. She lost in straight six, six straight sets, six two, six two. She beat herself. She couldn't, you know, when she had the advantages on on the uh, on the break points, she could she couldn't take advantage of them. She let Halp right back into the tennis match. Couldn't on uh, on the back and forth volleys, back and forth, back and forth. She couldn't hit the ball over the, over the net. Kept hit, kept smacking the ball dead into the net, getting just allowing Halep to rack up points, and when and when it was that deuce, she'd make mistakes that give Halep the advantage, and then when she would tie it up with the advantage, go back to, I mean she never ever ever took control of the tennis match, and when it looked like she was going to take control of it, she let Halep right back get right back into the match, let let it let her right back into it. She hasn't won Wimbledon in two thousand since two thousand sixteen, so it's been three years, and she has not won a major, a major Grand Slam since two thousand seventeen and the Australian Open before when she was in the beginning stages of her pregnancy with her kid. She 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 hasn't won. 
She has not won a major since 2017 at the Australian Open when she was in the early stages of pregnancy with her kid and has not won Wimbledon in three years since 2016. So, I I don't know. I, I don't know. She played, she was horrendous at Wimbledon, or excuse me, at the French Open, and the French Open has never really been her... Her, uh, her, her, uh, she hasn't that hadn't been, been that good on clay in her career. Has only won three times over in Paris at the French Open 2002, 2013, 2015. It's been Wimbledon, U.S. Open, Australian Open, French Open. You know, she speaks fluent French. I don't know what it is, but when she goes over and plays in Paris, she always, always, always has a difficult time. Now she's now she's won twi- two out of her three French Open victories have been in this decade, 2013-2015. But French Open has never been a friend, and it wasn't this past May when she was over there and absolutely spit up the joint in the French Open. And then gets herself together and plays in Wimbledon, and then spits the bit and vomits against Simona Halep and loses in straight sets by beating herself. I, I I don't know what it is. And Serena is a fierce competitor. And so retirement is the last thing she's thinking about and is the last thing that she wants to hear. But when you are 37 years of age, you'll be 38 this upcoming September. You you got you, you got you gotta wonder you gotta wonder am am I, am I st- because reg- and no matter what the sport is whether it's baseball whether it's basketball whether it's football whether it's tennis whether it's golf I mean t- t- Tiger Woods found that out that a- age you know uh, really unless you are Tom Brady age is no joke especially in sports. Age is no joke, and it will wear you down so fast it will make your head spin. And I will not be surprised if it's a little while before Serena wins a next Grand Slam uh, major title. Or, if, or what she really should do is, is walk away while you're ahead instead of going out ugly. And 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 looking like a complete scrub, going out at forty something years of age and and going out and lose, and go out and retire that way. She like Michael Jordan. You now that was Michael Jordan's problem. He was he was a, like Serena, fierce competitor, never wanted to lose, hated to lose, wanted to beat her opponent and wanted to embarrass him at the same time. Michael Jordan's problem was. He didn't know when to walk away, and he wa- and he walked away ugly. Just look 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 at his numbers for the Washington Wizards back when I was an infant, back in the early two thousands, and 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 you'll see what I mean. And Serena ha- is in this situation where she could end up having the same thing happen to her, where for whatever the reason, for all the time you know time's up and she just doesn't have anymore. And she, you know, being a competitor and the stubbornness inside of her won't know when to walk away until it gets so bad and she wakes up one morning saying, how the hell did my career get to this point? To the point where she retires 
and everyone remembers her for going out with her career looking ugly rather than it was when she was on the top of her game. So, I don't know. She's 37 years of age. She'll be 38 this upcoming September. Hadn't won a major since she was first pregnant with her kid. Hasn't won Wimbledon in three years. She she beat herself. Couldn't get out of her own way. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I hope she finds her groove again. I hope that she, you know, finds way not to, when she, when she loses, I hope that she doesn't beat herself to the point where she loses in straight sets. And I, you know, I mean, she she really is the re- is the only reason why why me and most of the black community gives two hoots about tennis is because of her. Same thing with Tiger Woods with the golf. Came, both came in. I mean Serena 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 and Venus they're younger than Tiger is, but they both came in at, at the same time, mid 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 late nineties, and their prime was in the two thousands. Venus is falling off the cliff. I mean losing to a fifteen year old and you're. And you're 39 years late. Touch on that a little in a minute, but Venus is falling off the cliff. And if what Serena put on today in the final against Halep is a sign of what's yet to come, she could be next. hasn't hasn't won a thing since she since she was first pregnant with her daughter, and her daughter is going to be. And and her and her daughter is going to be two years old this upcoming September, and she's going to be thirty eight years of age this upcoming September. So, time's ticking, Serena. You gotta get it together and fast, because if you're not careful, that door of opportunity will slam solid shut in your face. Brought up Coco Groff uh, beating Venus Williams and Wimbledon, which she did. She's 15 years of age, 15-year-old black girl. Goes on Wimbledon. Youngest woman to qualify for Wimbledon in the open era since 1968. Youngest woman, 15 years of age, defeated Venus Williams, seven-time major champion, childhood idol in the early rounds of Wimbledon, which was impressive. And as soon as she did that, I was like, okay, I could care less on what y'all think or what uh, the jump is doing ESPN concerning NBA uh, Summer League. I'm discussing this one on the show, and that I shall. And advanced all the way to the round of 16, wanted to give her props and a phenomenal job for representing black community. Uh, and Wimbledon representing herself and the and the young tennis players out there, the up and coming tennis players, who are looking to p- compete on the uh, professional level. And a good, good job by her being fifteen years of age, younger than I am, being fifteen years of age, making all the way up to the round of sixteen in Wimbledon, and taking down uh, Venus Williams. Good job by her. Uh. I'll th- uh, let's see. Got some trade news that occurred these past few days. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll do uh, Cashner with the Orioles first, and then I'll do uh, Westbrook and the uh, and the Rockets because I got some things to say about that. Uh, the Orioles traded Andrew Cashner to the uh, Boston Red Sox. 
in exchange for two 17-year-old uh, players at the Red Sox organization, outfielder Elio Prado and infielder no Noel Berth Romero. Both will report to the Dominican Summer League as soon as possible. Kastner, 9-3 with 3.83 ERA, 17 starts the season for the Orioles. One, certainly he and Jonathan Means, but he, the veteran, one of our better pitchers in our uh, starting rotation this year in this beleaguered, awful uh, horse crap season that we have uh, endured. But he's traded to Boston. News broke uh, earlier this afternoon that the trade uh, went through. So Andrew Cash now will be a Boston Red Sox to help that Boston rotation make a wild card push and trying the uh, hard way to defend their 2018 World Series championship. Uh, and then the last, and then the second trade, which is the bigger trade and the trade that everyone wants, everyone wants to hear uh, their their favorite sports pundits talk about is Russell Westbrook of the Oklahoma City Thunder getting traded to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Chris Paul. Uh, Westbrook and Harden team up again. Whoop you do Let's throw a big parade. Uh, let's throw a big parade for him. Me personally, here, 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 here's my thoughts on it. All right. Russell Westbrook has done outside of tying Wilt Chamberlain's. You know, outside of tying Will Chamberlain's records with triple doubles and and uh, and uh, not Will Chamberlain, Oscar Robinson's record with triple doubles and uh, leading the league in assists and all that other, and all that nonsense. Russell Westbrook has done absolutely nothing, nothing in his NBA career. I don't care about most viable player in 2017. I don't care about eight-time All-Star, two-time All-Star game MVP. I don't care about back-to-back year 2016, 2017 NBA All-NBA first team. I don't care that he led the league in scoring in 2015, 2017. I don't care that he led the league in assists in 2018, 2019. I do not care about any of that crap, okay? Throw it out the window. You can let the Westbrook apologists and the Westbrook and the Russell Westbrook fan club go crazy on that stuff. Okay, have at it. Have a field day. But when I've seen Russell Westbrook play in Oklahoma City, he has done absolutely nothing, nothing in the big picture, nothing. Blew a three-one lead with Durant by his side in 2016. Was the number one guy in 2017 and gagged all over himself in the playoffs. Gagged all over himself. 2018 lost to the... uh, uh, lost, uh, Lost in six games to the Utah Jazz. Six. Six games. Six games to the Utah Jazz, a team led by rookie Donovan Mitchell. They lost in six games. They gagged all over themselves the previous year. 
Lost, got beaten five games by the Rockets. Lost to the Utah Jazz, not the Stockton and Malone Jazz, the Jazz led by rookie Donovan Mitchell. And then this year, got bounced in five games and got and got embarrassed by Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers. Did absolutely nothing. Choked with Durant on his team. And peed all over himself against the Blazers, against the Rockets, and against the Jazz. Did nothing. And I don't want to hear, and I don't care about his his that he averages a triple double per game, that he leads the league in assists, and the point and he the fact that he scores fifty points a game, that is a bunch of malarkey. I don't want to hear it. Because in the big picture, come April he can't even have time he can't even play long enough to make it to the month to make come april come playoff time he spits the bit every single time they are he as a as 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 a, as a thunder player 0 and 9 in road playoff games since Durant left to go to golden state and oh by the way had paul george to help him this past season, and and I and I got to sit up here and 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 have people have the temerity, the audacity, and unmitigated go in the arrogance to say that, well, Houston, Houston could uh, possibly be a, a Western Conference uh, a contender to win the Western Conference. What? When they had James Harden, who couldn't. Who he and the Rockets couldn't throw the ball in the ocean when Chris Paul was, and I don't want to sit up here and hear all these excuses that Harden and Paul don't get along. Bull. Cause you're because be- you're better on the floor to begin with, anyways, and you still spit the bit, and then you claim you guys don't get along. Well, when Harden, well when Paul went out in the 2018 Western Conference Finals with a hamstring injury, and it was Harden running the show with Clint Capella and Trevor Reese and everybody else, they couldn't throw the ball in the ocean against the Golden State Warriors when they had the Warriors backs to the wall with home court advantage being one of the best seeds in the Western Conference and couldn't get it done with James Harden on the team. With James Harden on the team. And they turn around this year and what do they do? They gag game one. They, 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 Harden is is too busy trying is trying is too busy trying to win Oscar awards for acting, trying to trying to play the Warriors against the refs, playing the refs to get the whistle instead of instead of going up taking the three and and beating the uh, Golden State Warriors and act like he, he's in a playoff game, but instead it's it, it's 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 flop city flopping all over the place, and and, and diving all over the place trying to trying to get a foul calls. Instead of playing, instead of playing basketball, and they lose to the Warriors. I, I read you the stat: four out of the last five times they lost to Golden State Warriors in the playoffs. I read you the, I read you the stat back in late May, early June. And this, and this is Harden by himself and with Chris Paul, 
next as a sidekick. And they still did nothing. Westbrook, same thing. Had Paul George, had Kevin, had Kevin Durant by his side and did nothing. And had a couple times where he went solo and did nothing. Ain't going to sit up here and, and expect me to sit up here and, and, and take the fact that the Rockets are, are a Western Conference or a contender to win the Western Conference? When granted a depleted Warriors team, but they're going to be no scrub. They're the third best team in the Western Conference with Klay Thompson out. They have D'Angelo Russell and Curry. They will be a good basketball team. Not as dominant as we've seen them in years past. They will be a good basketball team. If you think for one second that the Rockets are the third best team in the Western Conference heading into this upcoming NBA season, you need your head examined and you don't know what the heck you're talking about. Both of these players have proved to you that they have done nothing flying solo being the number one guy. Ball hogging, taking 60 shots a game, averaging a triple on all the other garbage stats that no, that nobody cares about unless unless you are some NBA statistics freak or, once again, a member of the Russell Westbrook James Harden fan club. And they did nothing when, when they had good players by the side. Harden did nothing when he had Chris Paul with him, and Russell Westbrook did nothing when he had Durant with him or Paul George with him. Both did nothing with help and did nothing without help. Flying solo. And I was supposed to sit up here and and and, and accept with a straight face and without any uh, f- and with, and without any 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 uh, any emotion or any brushback that the fact that I honestly hear the Houston Rockets could be the third best team in the Western Conference when both of their players have done nothing in the playoffs but spit the bit and piss and vomit all over themselves. Those players are not winners. They win you games. Yeah, they'll win you 50-something games in the regular season, yes. But when it comes playoff time, they can't win a basketball game to save their lives. Whether it's Harden flopping all over the place asking for fouls, or it's Westbrook they can't throw the ball in the ocean. Harden that, do, Harden that doesn't have doesn't have that championship fiber that we look for in all time greats, and Westbrook has it, but his problem is he doesn't know what he doesn't know the, the how to use it. He, he it's like he goes into overdrive and he ends up worse. Yet I'm supposed to sit up here and believe that these two playoff losers put together is magically going to make the Houston Rockets a winner. I don't think so. When you have when you have a, a, a when you have the Clippers sitting there with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and L and with the Clippers and then with the Lakers you have LeBron and Anthony Davis and oh by the way Golden State that's played in every every NBA final since 2015 and has re, and has and has quintupeded as Western Conference champions since 2015 right that right uh. Uh, up uh, north of them. Yeah, like I sit here and, and hear and hear and actually hear the word and the idea being put out into the atmosphere that the Rockets that this could make the Rockets the third best team in the Western Conference. Are you serious? 
I will be floored if they some if they knock out if they go through Golden State or either of the L, of the LA teams and make it to the finals. I will be floored if that happens. Floored because their body of work so far it isn't isn't convincing enough to make me think that they that they could knock out the Warriors, Cavs, or excuse me, the Warriors, Lakers, and uh, Clippers. Because their body of work, by themselves and with help, is not is is not is not very is not too convincing. And I have and I have to see something from I have to see something from them and come playoff time, come next spring, before I before we can put out the idea that they, that they are uh, the third best team in the Western Conference and 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 have a legitimate shot for winning the Western Conference when you have Golden State still sitting there and the Clippers and, and the Clippers and the Lakers uh down south from them. Or excuse me, west of uh Houston. So let's let's just debunk that myth and that fabrication while 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 we have the chance. Please. Because honestly, nobody is going to care what they do in a night in the middle of February against the Phoenix Suns. Nobody cares. What are they going to do come playoff time when the big lights are shining and and in front of packed arenas and and uh, 15, 20 million people watching on television? What what are they going to do then? Against LeBron James, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, what are they going to do then? They they didn't win when they were together in OKC. What makes you think they can win together in Houston with a coach that's not exactly uh, Pat Riley? To be to, to be frank, anyway, I want to thank y'all for listening to this. Episode, you know, I'm going to tell like a TIS podcast. If you're new to the podcast, like what you heard, be free and feel free to, to hit that subscribe button. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, to give it a five, five or four star rating. If you like what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends, family, and coworkers that enjoy a sports talk. Uh, just stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> stay tuned for the next episode that I, that I will come at you with next week. Thank y'all for watching, you guys. You guys have a good, safe, blessed week. Uh, if it's, if you're listening to this podcast and you live in the Louisiana area, uh, prayers and uh, and best wishes and well wishes are down with you all as you are going through the hurricanes right now. Uh, but if you're not, just stay safe, stay out of trouble, and I'll talk to y'all next week. You all take care. I do a do.